You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. When Ginny Niviadomi came to Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, there was no doubt in her mind that she was meant to be there. I'm Kevin Power, and I met Ginny in her studio, the Artistic Incident Studio, a space that oozes creativity and welcomes children and adults alike to find their own artistic voice through various medium. Ginny has had a major impact on the Meadow Lake community as a teacher and arts promoter in the area. My time with Ginny is one of the most open and heartfelt conversations in this series so far. Ginny talks of self-discovery through art, the voices that would see artistic expression squelched, and of loss. As you'll hear, for Ginny, the loss of a loved one is as much about celebrating life as it is grieving. Enjoy this very special podcast. I'm in beautiful Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. And I'm sitting in the studio of Ginny Nevadomi. Ginny, thanks for joining me. Well, I'm glad you could join me. Thanks for coming all the way up here. Oh, well, it's great to see this part of the world. Um, the, the countryside is so beautiful. Um, let's start by telling me a little about yourself and where you were born. You've already told me this, but I'm going to get you to say, say the name as we say it and the name as it should be said. Well, I uh, I grew up, I was born and raised in Beanfate, Saskatchewan. And how do you, one really should say Beanfate for all my friends in Gravaburg who <laughs> who will correct this? Beanfate. Right, Beanfate, right. Um, and that's just south of Estevan? Yep, just southeast in the corner. Um, coal, oil, that's Sask Power. Uh, and, uh, Is it a French community? No, no, wow. not at all. Hmm. And uh, it's changed a lot. I haven't been, well, I've been in Meadow Lake now for going on 11 years. Hmm. Yes, 11 hmm. years now. And um, it's I, I moved to Meadow Lake thinking I was only going to be here for a year. Hmm. And I'm still here. And it's, I, this is where I'm supposed to be for time being mm-hmm. anyways mm-hmm. it uh it is a very inspiring community it's mm-hmm. i i found my artist voice here which it seems kind of strange and people always are surprised that i st- i still live in meadow lake but mm-hmm. it is where i found my voice and and create paintings for myself like as an artist so it's so when you were growing up um in in your town you you weren't painting but did you have any artistic inspiration there from teachers or i had inspiration and encouragement from my mom and dad Hmm. ever since i was little my earliest memories are of me coloring in coloring books with my mom 
and I think it was just always something in me, something when it's encouraged, it makes you feel good. It's like, that's something that I could do that was special about me. So I stuck with it and just, were you an inside the line or outside the line colorer? Oh, I was inside the line. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did everything inside the line until, um, until 2003 and things started to change. Hmm. So, um, was there an art program in the school that you uh, went to? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Bean Fate had a K to nine school and they, when I was in grade nine, I specifically remember Miss Motes and she came from the arts education program at the U of R and Thing, it was different. It, art that art could be anything, and I remember it still to this day. And I, I could always draw um, very like proportionate and to scale, and um, I did well with how my eye could see things and how I could transfer it onto paper. And in high school, I I had a lot of encouragement from my art teacher there. I had a few different art teachers, but the one I remember there was uh, Shirley Regeer. And she got me looking into the arts ed program at the U of R. Mm. And so I went in, went in to that, and I did that for four years to be an art teacher. And I was an art teacher. I didn't see myself as an artist. And I... Can you be an art teacher without being an artist? Ah, that is something I discovered when I did my master's. Uh-huh. That uh, I in arts uh, education. Yes, master's. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what did you discover? I discovered that the the more I became true to myself as an artist, the better things I, I felt. The better. Uh, things were in the classroom Mm -hmm. for the students Mm -hmm. um, that they could express themselves through various mediums in their own way. Because you could. Yes. That's so important. And especially um, being in Meadow Lake and teaching at a junior high school, the junior high students and that age group, it, it was so important. You're going through so much at that age that it, it was a boost to their esteem when they were amazed that they did that mm-hmm. in an artwork or mm-hmm. they were able to do an image transfer or create a sculpture out of wire and make it look like it was bronze. It All those little different techniques and tips and it, it wasn't just a craft. Did you find that art was a form of escapism for that age group? And was it a place to go um, and and express where it may not have been cool to express on a daily basis with their peers? Yeah, and it when students walked into the art room, it's it's like a weight was lifted off their shoulders. They could. They got to be themselves. They were able to be themselves. They were able to have conversations and they were able to comment on each other's. It was a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And that I like to encourage and validate the way that they saw things, mm-hmm. the way they saw things and interpreted things 
their subject matter didn't have to be what I expected. Right. It had to meet their expectations. Which is radically different than what we are accustomed to in the everyday school life, right? Mm-hmm. Even even in elementary school. And mm-hmm. it's the, the stereotype of that a tree should look like a tree. A tree mm-hmm. can't be swirly and magical or made of bricks or grow alligators, you know? <laughs> it's funny one of my earliest childhood memories is in school i drew a picture of a girl and i colored her leg one color and the other leg another color and i was put in the corner oh and the teacher said those uh, two a person has two legs of the same color not two different colors at that time i didn't have the smarts to say well she could be wearing leggings yeah or Um, it could be inspired by pablo picasso or you you know (laughs) yeah so i was put in the corner oh that's that breaks my heart that is so disappointing to hear things like that but it's it's but we're talking back in the 60s Uh, maybe it's not (laughs) maybe it's something that doesn't know any any uh time frame uh boundaries around art um okay so you finished your master's and you were teaching in regina no i moved here in 2000 to middle lake in 2003 and i had already been teaching art for like three years and i uh, i was accepted to teach the position here at the junior high and i uh did my master's starting in 2007. So I'd been here oh. for the four years already mm. and then decided to do my master's. It was uh, literally a spur of the moment decision. At the same time you were teaching, were you working on your master's? Yes. Wow. Yep. And uh, uh, after doing that program, I, I saw that I... I possess the ability to make art so much more than just what it was in a classroom, in a school, that it needed to be something that the whole community could share in and grow from. Okay. I just want to back up a bit because the comment you made earlier, you said it wasn't until you came here that you found your artistic voice. Um, So what happened um, that brought that out? When I did my uh, Bachelor of Education at the U of R, my arts ed degree, I took the fine arts classes that I needed to, but I stuck to drawing. So I I had all my levels of drawing because that was something I was good at. Mm -hmm. And then I did a couple classes of sculpture and a class of photography, but I, I was terrified of painting. Paint scared me. It seems so permanent. Mm. But uh, 2003, um, I'm, I moved to Meadow Lake, but I also um, lost my father to ALS. And after he passed away, it it was within a month that I actually did my first painting. And it was full of bright colors and, and uh, lines and exp- movement. And was it expressing the, the grieving process? No, I think it was the life process. Uh-huh. So I did that, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, it's, I, I was really surprised that was in me. And then I moved here, and I started, I, I, did, I, I did artwork as examples for 
um, like the classroom, uh, the lessons I was teaching, but I started to do art that wasn't just mm-hmm. for examples in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I did more of my own drawings and sketchings and uh, some pastel work and the odd painting, you know, was gifts for family. And then once I got into my master's, uh, one of the one of the last classes I I I took was about um, exploring the importance or and validating myself as an artist and if I was an artist and how that affected my classroom practice. So that that class, I think, gave me the confidence to to go and do artwork that was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, isn't that just what art boils down to for mm-hmm. for all artists? Yes, and that's to me before that I wasn't creating art for myself. Mm-hmm. It was it was created according to a set of guidelines that mm-hmm. I wanted to explore within an artwork. It mm-hmm. it didn't have that expression that I felt artists expressed in work. Right. So when I was able to create artwork that expressed something, um, a personal feeling or idea, to me that was, or I was an artist creating artwork. Right. Would you say it's true that in the creative process, the demon that one battles is how it will be perceived through the eyes of, of others. Is that part of the journey to get to, to dump that, take that out to the curb um, and just commit to what it does for you? Is that part of the process? Yep. And putting the expectation or the expectations that I think others will have, just throwing mm-hmm. that right out the window. Right. And when I am able to create it just for myself, my own ideas, other people looking at it may see their own, their own challenges, their own issues, their own beliefs and values in that artwork as well. Right, right. With the students that you're teaching, are you still teaching? I'm not teaching in the public school system. I teach classes here. Right, we'll get studio. to we'll get to the studio space. But when the, you when you were teaching in the school system, were there any um, any students that you saw transform in a in a really monumental way that you can think of that were otherwise reclusive? Um, somebody that really came out of their shell. I think that that would be probably the key is that it allowed them to come out of their shell and gain some confidence and let them know that their ideas and the way they saw the world were okay. Mm-hmm. That was just fine if that was their interpretation. And yeah. Are they still in touch with them? Yeah. 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 And it was, it's often the students that, well, in grade nine, there was the, the achievement achievement day at the end of the year and they gave the awards and one of the awards was um an art award so and i would 
I chose a student while I was teaching there and uh, in charge of the the selection. I chose a student that took risks and took challenges and did it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the student ha- that had the best ability mm-hmm. to portray something. Right. Um, and it's, it's nice to be able to see them. Like what, now, some of them are off at university and they come home or they pop in here. Or I talk, I keep in touch via, you know, social media, Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because I would think just lifting those restrictions and finding one's voice and encouraging them to find one's voice, that stands them in good stead for no matter what they do. It's mm-hmm. not something that serves the artist only, right? Yeah. 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 And I, think I too back to even some of the students that nece- that maybe art wasn't their thing but they were unique in their own way I I was the art teacher that you know I, I dressed my own way and I had dreadlocks and oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Right. and I um, every year there we always did something kind of school-wide as like for gratitude and I remember getting a thank you card from one student saying that they thanked me for being me. Mm. Wow. That's the best compliment a person could ever have. Wow, that that means a lot to you. Why has that moved you emotionally? Does it validate in some way um, the voice that you found for yourself? Why did it... Why does that mean so much? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcasts. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I think because that for a long time I just kept that voice silent. Right. And now having and being able to reflect on on all of that, it's because mm. it's really damaging those silent those those yeah. the people that would silence our voice. Yeah. It, it really has a profound effect on it. And it that happened for you early enough on, yeah, during yeah. formative years that it stays with you. Yeah, and not being able to, I guess, be be true to myself and trying to fit into all those oh stereotypes or expectations that I don't fit well in a box. Right, yeah. 
And that, yeah. That's when you started coloring outside of the yeah, lines. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think 100% of the time, that's always the case. We spent waste so much of our life trying to be something that we're not in hopes yes. that, in hopes that that garners the praise. And it's when you free yourself from that, it, it, you just, you know, you can't help but say, what a waste of time that was <laughs> yes and and uh i guess that's the wisdom of getting older but it's also a testament to the power of art yeah you know that it has that kind of therapy um therapeutic uh result yeah and and do they teach that in a master's class is that no. something you can teach no it you have to it's something that you have to be able to accept and want to know and discover within yourself mm -hmm. and i've done some work with individuals where i guide them through art as a therapeutic process mm -hmm. to to discover something and bring an awareness to issues that they're facing i I don't even know their issue, but I guide them through the creative process of choosing collage materials and choosing colors. And as they're choosing, I pose questions to them. And when I create artwork, I often make selections and I listen to those instinctive selections and then I ask myself why or what might it mean and a lot more comes out of my artwork than just an artwork. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. If you're enjoying this episode of Sascapes, why not download the entire series for free from the iTunes store? Simply search for Sascapes by Sas Culture. And while you're there, feel free to support Sascapes by giving us a star rating or writing a review. From time to time, I'll share some of the comments in upcoming episodes. And who knows, it could be your comment I read next. And now, back to the podcast. So, moving away from the esoteric stuff around art um <laughs> let's talk about the practicalities of what you've created here in meadow lake we're sitting in this this beautiful studio how did you arrive at this place via a dream <laughs> and the dream was um to give the community and specifically the youth in this community uh a means of exploring themselves and being able to express themselves and learning and discovering more about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that all happens through art. Uh, very, Whether it be music mm -hmm. or dance or uh, drama, literature, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. And you wanted to do that outside of the, the walls of an institution yes. and create your own yeah. space. So when did this space that we're in become established? This space, this building that I'm in now is the second home to my studio and gallery and shop. Um, but in 
2009, January of 2009, I created a business plan Mm -hmm. and it was all spurred by a grant, uh, my future is here Mm -hmm. grant. Mm -hmm. And it was for, um, individuals under the age of 34, um, to, to start up a business. So I got it all together and had my plan done and submitted it and I won. (laughs) So I got $5,000 to, to get me going and get me off the ground. It, it purchased equipment and tables and chairs and, and things like that for me to first get started. Mm. Yeah. And when did the, who were your first students? Your, your focus was, was, um, your focus was kid were the, were the students first. And so how did you bring them through the doors? Uh, it, uh, I just put it out there and word of mouth and, um, let people know that I was going to run my first ever art camp. So in August of 2009, I opened my doors uh, and did the first art camp in Meadow Lake from my studio. Right. And the title of your studio then is what it is now? Yes. Yeah. Which is? Artistic Incident Studio. Right. And when did you transition from that space into this space? And is that is that a, a testament to how quickly it grew? Yes. Um, I did two years in a small smaller space it was uh, an office building and I had three rooms uh, over there and after two years it it was another you know plant the seed of uh, comments you know from parents that would have liked uh, an after-school program Mm -hmm. and I thought well if I'm gonna do that (laughs) I need a bigger space it it wouldn't have worked over there at all so Right. Yeah. Um, and were you also bringing adult classes into the mix? Uh, over there, I had done a few, not regular uh, classes or the consistent. It was here and there. Mm-hmm. But once I had a bigger space, it made it a lot easier and to to continue to do something like that and, and just offer more. Right. Which is what you have now. Yes. And... Are the the classes basically geared around painting? Is that the medium? Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> then then what are the outside of the box out, out of the box um, concepts that you get students involved in? They continue to change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, painting, uh, drawing, mixed media, uh, furniture refurbishing. Mm. Uh, hand building with clay photography. Uh, there's been some jewelry making. There's been some mosaics and working with glass. And do they bring the desire for to work in that medium to you, or do you have all of the materials here to be able to do that? I pr- I have the materials. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it it usually starts with a request or an mm-hmm. interest, and then I. I put it out there and see if it, if it's a right, go. Right. So it's at this point 
I should mention that one of your biggest accomplishments is that you have two brilliant little babies. Um, one is with us, now asleep in your arms. And so, in order to keep this adorable little cherub sleeping, we'll, we'll make it sound like we're we're uh, being deep and dark and mysterious, but actually we're just whispering. And who says you can't do a podcast by whispering? That's true. Right? Yeah. Break the rules. Um, I first came to know about you because an email had been forwarded to me with a long list of artistic activities in Meadow Lake coming up. Um, it ran the gamut from art to music all of it, and it was signed by you. When did you, as if you didn't have enough on your plate, when did you take that initiative on? This community is incredibly creative, but like myself, uh, I, I kept my creativity in the basement of my house in a room, and that's where it stayed. And this community definitely needed a venue to showcase the amazing talent and ideas and expression that exist within the people here. And I think that was part of it too, that it had to be, it had to be more than learning about art. It, it needed to be an appreciation and awareness, uh, come look see what I did um, because the artists that I know they're they are it's like oh my my stuff isn't good enough to put on the wall that there there's a lot of comments like that but the more it's in you know it it's exposed the more it's in their face and I keep saying oh you should bring some stuff in and it it does it happens and uh, because you understand those filters i've been there i was that person that had my stack of artwork piling up in a room in my basement and my husband said you you need a space you need to get out there and now i have a a big space a large space that um that promotes art it promotes the creation of art. It promotes the appreciation of art. And that art just isn't a painting on a wall. That it can be these different forms. And uh, that includes music. So in 2009, again, uh, oh, 2009 was a big year. The, it, it was the Northwest Rita at the time. And uh, I knew the people working there, and they had approached me saying they got an email from this organization called Home Routes, and they were looking for a, a host within this community to host musicians and give them a venue to perform. And I was astounded that no one had jumped on this opportunity yet. So I said, yes, I will do it. Send them my information. So I was contacted by um, Home Routes. And 
I was on um, the circuit uh, to host these award-winning musicians in this rural community. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we, we don't have to drive three, four hours to go see uh, phenomenal music. You get it. You get to experience it in a comfortable, safe, uh, neighborly setting with people that enjoy the same thing and a musician who will share their stories of where a song has come from or how it was created. And in town, do they do that here in this space? Yes. Wow, so you got this is the hub. So I will, I will host them, and it, it. I figure that if I wasn't doing it, I probably wouldn't be here. So if I needed it, I'm sure there were other people that needed it too, and that's just that's kind of why I start doing the things I do. To what do you attribute? The fact that there are so many artists and and uh, in this area, what is it about this area? Do you think? I don't know. It. I was. <laughs> is it an energy thing? Is it a is it a nature thing? I was, I. I was supposed to come here. I came here to teach, and not only did I teach, but I, I kind of unfolded. I unfolded as an individual to discover what was actually there and supposed to be there and what I believe I was supposed to be doing, I am doing now. Right. You stayed in Saskatchewan um, all of your life so far. Yep. What is it about Saskatchewan that, that keeps you here when the, when the world is your oyster? There's inspiration, there's support, there's everything I need is here. Right. Yeah. I've never even looked to go somewhere else, really. If, God forbid, somebody said, you can no longer be artistic, I take it all away from you, Um, is there something else that inside your own little dream fantasy world of stuff you'd like to do that you could have seen yourself doing or is this just so such a is is your creativity so cellular now that it would be impossible to 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 think of anything else i think it is a way of thinking it's in everything i do (laughs) i would cease to exist (laughs) Well, that's pretty definitive. Um, so, you know, for people that are listening who think that they would like to create a business plan and do something like that, how do you get over that hump of thinking, well, is is a business plan around art an oxymoron? Like, will this, you know, is this a ridiculous prospect? A very wonderful professor of mine said that it was, oh, it was in a class. I don't remember which class. The comment was, see a need, fill a need. And this community needed it. It needed it badly. And if I was to pick up and move to a large center, I I wouldn't be doing this. Mm. I would be 
participating in something like this, but I can't see me having my own building, my own business. Because of the competition? Because of it's daunting to be in, in a larger center? No, I, I would say that something like, or I would figure that something like this would already exist. Mm. If it didn't exist, I would, yeah, absolutely. Yes, but even if it, if it, even if it existed, your version of it wouldn't exist. That, yes, that's true. Yeah. That that's true. Um, it might be, it might be a form of it. I know. Here, I promote art. Oh, from infant. <laughs> infant's age uh, to re like past retirement and um, I had a lady that was n she was 92 in my art class she mm. was 92 mm. and when I started doing some creative arts programming for little ones my son was 18 months and he was pa he was painting mm. he had watched mummy and he was he had his squirt bottle and his paintbrush and he was doing it just like mummy did it mm. do you think all of the people that you're working with have a clue that they are possibly giving you more than than you may feel you're giving them just because it seems to me that the through line of your work you're still working through your own demons your own voices yeah and and through their progress you heal oh absolutely um i believe that there's a purpose for everything and there's a reason and it's often if i hear a comment from a parent and it's it's almost like it haunts me in my mind i, I know it's i have to do something about it uh, even to create a painting, if there's an idea or a title that co continues to repeat itself through my mind and I, I hear it, I hear it and it haunts me. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I need to do something about it. But I may have other ideas, but that's it. It might be just a fleeting idea. I thought about it once and I, it just doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. And I just, I let it go. But it's those ones that haunt me. I, it's like, okay, I take it as a sign and I need to do something about it. So, and once I do, I'm usually surprised or amazed or it's like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> what word do you love? Believe. Yep, the word believe. What word do you detest? Can't. I knew you were going to say that. I was channeling Kant toward you, and you got it. Um, what sound do you love? Right now, the sound that I love is this content breathing yes. of your little boy. Yeah. It, if I let it, it would put me to sleep. Right, right. It's so relaxing, and he's comfortable. He's safe. It's when... When I get into that zone where I'm painting, it's almost, there could be sirens, there could be shouting around me, but I'm not going to hear it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm where I need to be at that time and that place. And when you do hear a sound, when you do break out of that place, what sound do you detest? That, 
that sigh of disappointment or discouragement or that <sighs> that wow, again that all sound. part of your process the can't sound yep right if heaven exists and you meet say peter at the pearly gates what would you like to be said about what you've accomplished in your life that I've done exactly what I needed to do. Yep. Okay, so I've sort of already asked you this question, but if we all do this, in, the, in your mind, in your wildest dreams, give me one profession that you think, well, it'd be kind of cool to do if it weren't art. Maybe a race car driver. Oh, a race car driver. <laughs> the need for speed. Yeah, living on the edge. Right. Right. It's, yeah, pushing the limits. Mm -hmm. That's that's something I strongly believe in. It's uh, just because it says on a box that you're not supposed to do it or use it according to a certain age. Uh, yeah. Recipes <laughs> must drive you nuts. <laughs> I don't, Who I, says I need two I tablespoons never, of baking powder? I never follow recipes. <laughs> never. I'm not the least bit surprised. Yeah. Um, what profession would you just loathe? Something monotonous. That I did the same thing every day. Uh, that, oh, it would drive me, it would drive me crazy. I like in an assembly it. line, yes. putting labels on bottles. Yep. But knowing you, you'd put them on upside down just because somebody <laughs> said <fired>. you could. <laughs> yes. But you go out knowing that you, you did it yep. your way. Exactly. That's very true. <laughs> right. You're a testament to the power of healing through art. You really are. And I think what's amazing about what you're doing is you're continuing to heal um, and now vicariously through the people that you're, that you're teaching. Yeah. And if I wasn't con continuing to do it, I, I don't think I would be an advocate for it, but that it, it is, it's a process within itself, within itself, because there's always something, there's always something that every single person is dealing with. And through art, you don't have to shout it out to the world. It can be, it can be within you and you let it out through color, through shapes, through lines, through brush strokes and that it's, it's safe. It's, it's not within you anymore. You've released it and you've let it go. It exists somewhere, somewhere else beyond yourself. And how does the person viewing that art understand it? I mean, for somebody who's not painting literal work, can you teach somebody to appreciate art? Or is it just something that you come to through your own life process? I think everyone will find an art they appreciate. Mm -hmm. It's It just depends that that someday it might take 50 years, but one day that art form or that artwork will come across their path and 
they will have that completely connected moment where it is something to them. Uh, one of the artworks I created, it it took me a long time to to create it and even to start. It was in my my mind for a long time, but it was it was about the day my father passed away, and I learned about it, and I got the phone call, and I recreated it as a painting, and it now has a home with someone else. So it it was something for them as well as it that it was something for me through the create through the creation of it um through the the viewing of it it i it stayed with me for a couple of years but it yeah it found a new home the loss of a parent is one of the major events in in all of our lives that didn't stop your creativity and some people I hear, they just, they shut down. Yeah, I, uh, I think I get inspired more. Mm. It's, it's an understanding that I think I came to through my studies of Reiki and um, color, like color therapy even that what it what it was for me and how I could deal with it and understand it that I may have lost my father in a physical form mm-hmm. but he's still here he's he's always with me mm-hmm. do you think that an adverse reaction to art is in and of itself a valid reaction yes i do it's, I paint a lot of ravens and no matter what show or sale I go to, I always take a raven artwork with me. And it is the one piece that it touches almost everyone that goes by, either through disgust why discuss? Because they have a memory. They have an experience with mm. a, a raven that has terrified them or uh, someone they know or else there's someone who walk by and can connect in the similar way I do with ravens, that it has meant something to them and in a meaningful way, it reminds them of something. It, um, it's, it's almost as if it's a message. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, do they express the disgust to you? Yes, I use. I hear a lot of stories, <laughs> and I'm always fascinated, always fascinated with the stories, and I usually get quite excited, and I'm always. <laughs> listening so intently about um, their experience and it, it, I, they often ask me what mine uh, my experience was with the raven and well it's, it's a story in half but uh, it, it changed my experience with ravens changed as I created artwork uh, 
using them as my muse. If art does nothing else, it sparks conversation. Yes. Yep, it definitely does. And to have an original artwork by any artist as a piece over your uh, couch or your dining room table, it, I'm sure it's, it's amazing where those ideas and those conversations between people go just by that artwork being on the wall. Meadow Lake's pretty lucky to have you. Well, I'm pretty lucky to be in Meadow Lake. Um, I have no doubt that you're going to continue to grow and that this business plan of yours is going to continue to grow and that the artistic community will just thrive with, with you at the helm. So um, right on. Good for you. Thanks. Thank you so much. What a great pleasure it is to meet you. You too. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other SAS culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Sascapes podcasts are also available through the iTunes Store. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...